0: the emerald city of seattle it's the mike sybert radio podcast your home for pop culture transformers independent artists interviews transformers and stuff and things also sometimes transformers and now here he is bob Vila jr mike sybert
1: and welcome back to mike sybert radio powered by poddex i am your host so good to be back here with you now, here on the live stream. It, uh, um, it's been a while, <laughs> um, like, uh, like, like the song goes. It's been a while. Let's see. So, it's been a few weeks since we've gotten together here on the live stream, and, uh, I, I guess I wanted to start off with a handful of announcements. Uh, one, I... I, I was kind of taken aback and blown away by the response that I got to my previous episode um, on the, uh, well actually it was it was a live stream from a couple weeks ago, ended up being a podcast from two weeks ago, um, and basically in that I was kind of talking about some of the, uh, I, I don't know, for lack of a better term, existential dread with regards to uh, live streaming versus podcasting and content creation in the time of the Rona and just kind of how um, I was uh, I was a little confused and a little uncertain about where I wanted to go uh, from here. Um, so I, I wanted to touch on that a little bit. And, and share some announcements with you before I show you my toys. And we talk about the stuff that I've been watching on TV and, and a couple other things as well. So the first thing I want to announce is that the After Hours live stream will continue. You, you, I, I posted a video on Instagram before... I started here and you got kind of like a little bit of behind the scenes peek of kind of my, my workspace here at work, um, where I've got like, you know, I got my, my ring light and my ring capacity and where my camera is set up and all of that. I, I wouldn't be doing the live stream if I didn't like doing it. It's, uh, it's something fun, it's new, it's exciting, and it inclines me, forces me actually, to create content on weeks that perhaps I wouldn't have. So I've landed on a um, a new philosophy in terms of how the Mike Seibert Radio podcast and the After Hours live stream kind of work in concert kind of hand in hand. So as most of you know, that the majority of my podcast episodes are interviews, uh, typically with independent artists. Uh, fellow podcasters, musicians, um, actual drawing artists—I I don't know how to describe artists that draw versus, say, artists that say podcast or make music. Uh, it just—it it, it's a weird designation that I've never been able to wrap my head around when I go over these lists, like I am now. But generally, my episodes are those artist spotlight interview episodes. Those will definitely continue. I record those generally over the weekends, uh, with Monday nights kind of being my editing time. So once I finish live streaming with you here now, I will go to the Mike Seibert Radio After Hours editing suite and put together this week's podcast. So that routine will continue. On weeks that I don't have an interview set up, which... Uh, it. it it greatly depends upon regularity what i have scheduled what's coming up what's kind of going on in the world there's a handful of things that kind of go into whether i have an episode or not so on weeks like this one i didn't do any interviewing over the weekend those are the weeks on monday night where there will be an after hours live stream And going forward, I will do a better job about promoting that on the front end. But the thing that's not going to continue, unfortunately, because I I know there are folks that love hanging out with me uh, late night on Monday night. Uh, I mean, it's it's 8 o'clock here in Seattle. I can only imagine what time it's at where you are. Um, Go to bed. (laughs) But uh, but no, Uh, what what I was doing in my enthusiasm about the live stream is that I was pushing myself too hard. Like we talked about how like a month ago I did what was essentially a month's worth of content in a weekend. Like I I did a live stream with Aaron from Autopod Decepticast talking about the Uh, third-party panel from TFCon, and then later I was a guest on the Transmissions podcast um, and did two episodes with them. It was was a lot of recording, so I didn't do a live stream that week because I thought there was a month's worth of content out there, and I I thought I was okay with that. Last week, for example, I did a episode with Greg from Unfunny Nerd Tangent, and Caleb also from Autopod Decepticast, and we talked about the Road Warrior and the Ronin character archetype. I'm going to talk about that episode a little more in just a sec here, but as an example, I didn't do an After Hours live stream last Monday because I knew there was an episode of the podcast from work that I did over the weekend. I apologize, I'm way over explaining this, but I I guess I just kind of wanted to kind of talk about a couple changes that are going to be going forward. So, uh, the podcast will continue. This is the Mike Seibert Radio podcast, primarily. It is a podcast first and foremost. The After Hours live stream is a fun sideshow that occasionally becomes podcasts. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, welcome. Come join us on the live stream, throw some stuff in the comments and uh, and participate and have fun with us, come join us. But I can't do both. I've discovered that my Monday nights are way too late when I'm doing a live stream and editing content from the weekend and then that whole legislation I talked about a couple weeks ago about like how far do I carry over stuff before it starts becoming dated Um, and the episode that I shared a couple weeks ago was pretty dated by the time I put it up as a podcast but even still folks listen to it as a podcast and it it resonated with folks uh, just kind of like those existential struggles. I still am trying to figure out the balance between oversharing and including you in the process. Like, when um, I I was a fan of radio when I was younger, I always enjoyed that kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. And even as a listener, trying to... Do the detective work to kind of try to figure out where everybody sat in the studio, even or just those the, those behind the scenes stuff, even to when like when folks actually record podcasts and things like that. Um, and I don't know if I do a good enough job of keeping the curtain pretty high because I know a lot of my listeners and friends and fans are podcasters themselves. So I always think that, that kind of some of uh, my struggles might connect with, uh, uh, with other folks as you're trying to figure your way out as well. So long story short, very convoluted explanation to uh, start off our, uh, our first returning live stream. Uh, podcasts will continue. There will be one episode every week generally dropping on Wednesdays, sometimes on Tuesdays, if the wind is at my back in in terms of uh, my editing. Live streams will also continue in the event that there is no Spotlight interview podcast for that week. So in this case, this is going to be episode 298 of Mike Seibert Radio. Now, speaking of, I want to talk about episode numbers as well. So, uh, and, and that'll kind of transition me into discussions about what's coming up on the show, because now that I got you, I kind of want to tell you about some of the stuff that's coming up to hopefully keep you engaged, keep you interested and keep you coming back and wanting to hang out with me. So I, have I've come to a decision, uh, because like I, I've talked about the stress about trying to come up with content for milestone episode numbers. For example, episode 300 is just a couple weeks away, and I want to announce here that episode number 300 of Mike Seibert Radio will be the last episode... (laughs) Gasp! uh, That that will be the last episode that's numbered. I'm going to try something different. So, starting with what would have been episode 301... Is just going to be titled whatever that title is for that week. Um, I I've thought about putting dates uh, like I used to back uh, during the KGRG era, where it was a Monday night show, and that that's what it was. I didn't bother with with clever titles. Um, you know episode numbering convention is something that's that's a, a little bit of a hot button topic in the podcasting community and i've seen a few different ways and i don't know if any one is more right than others but what i have discovered is the additional wear and tear of one trying to figure out what to do for milestone episodes and then even then the counting of episodes because um, if you go back through my catalog of episodes out on SoundCloud and, and wherever you're listening to the show, you'll see you probably can't count up to 298. Or maybe it goes over 298. I don't know. I've got like some two-part episodes that some of them are individually numbered, some of them aren't. Um there was a time where I think I was kind of trying to accelerate my episode count by like um uh, I, I think, like, I did a, a conversation with Michael Andrews. We were talking about Transformers and a num- number of things, but it was enough to break into three episodes, and I'm pretty sure each one of those episodes was individually numbered. Likewise, I've done some uh, TV-related episodes with my dude Dave Sanders, and those were, like, you know, 127.1 or 127.5. Or My point being is that my episode numbers have never been consistent. So I think rather than trying to um, stress about it anymore, I'm just going to try tossing it out. Now, between you and me, I'll I'll share this here uh, secretly, I think I'm still going to keep some kind of internal count. Maybe I'll hide the episode number somewhere in the show notes or something like that, uh, because I... I am still interested in celebrating Milestones. You know, so it's like, I, I, I'm i sure when the time comes around in another uh, couple years, uh, two years, uh, I, I will probably want to celebrate episode 400. So, I... I be on the lookout for me having another existential crisis about episode numbers, but for now, starting with, uh, after 300, um, I, I'm gonna try, uh, some differing uh, naming and numbering conventions. This is all absolutely riveting, I am sure. Speaking of episode 300, um, I... It took me a while to land on what I wanted to do. And... I I was kind of going back through the show archives and I've discovered that I don't talk about the music that I'm a fan of very often. Um, You know, I talk about TV shows, I talk about movies, I talk about comic books, I obviously talk about Transformers quite a bit, but I don't talk about music a lot. And I don't necessarily talk a lot about the bands that influence me or have been an influence on me. Uh, Most recently was when I talked about the 40th anniversary of Bad Religion with uh, Taryn Daly from 99.9 KSW. We each counted down our top 10 Bad Religion songs and just kind of talked about the band and what we liked about them. And that was, that was a really fun episode. I really enjoy uh, doing that, and I don't talk about the music that means stuff to me nearly often enough. Now, something I'm gonna talk about in just a sec, I'm kind of all over the road in, in terms of uh, the order that I'm going in, but um, there's a brand new album from my first favorite band, ACDC. Um, it's a it, quite frankly, it was something I never thought I was ever going to get again. I thought the band was done for a number of reasons, um, so I, I, I'm really I'm really excited about that. But that seems like a perfect opportunity for me to talk about the music of AC/DC and why they were my first favorite band and what does that mean when i say my first favorite band so episode number 300 coming in two weeks i don't have uh, the calendar in front of me but um yeah in in a couple few weeks episode 300 is going to be my top 10 acdc songs including a review of their brand new album, Power Up, which just came out. I've been listening to that all throughout the weekend. It's pretty great. Um, And yeah, it'll just give me uh, an opportunity to be uh, philosophical about this band that I have been a fan of probably more than any other band throughout the span of my lifetime. There, there are bands that I've picked up and put down, uh, but, but ACDC was the one that was the first. So I thought that that would be a really cool way to uh, commemorate uh, 300 episodes of Mike Cyber Radio. Um, going backwards about... Uh, so we know what episode 300 is. We know this current episode that you're listening to is 297. Uh, Let's talk about episode 298, which will be coming out next week. Uh, That is going to be a special conversation with the organizers... um, Organizer? Singular? I don't know how many folks we're going to have yet, so (laughs) I kind of stepped in it real quick there. But um, we are going to be talking about a brand new... Uh, online streaming Transformers fan convention called Iacon, uh, uh, named for the titular city on Cybertron in Transformers Lore. Um, it's a uh, Iacon online. Um, we've talked a lot about online streaming, conventions. You know, I I talked about TFCon online. Uh, There's been uh, other things that came up. uh, DC FanDome. Uh, Shoot, uh, the Bad Religion page just had uh, Bad Religion Day uh, uh, last week. Um, And that was kind of like an online streaming event um, of a sorts. And you know, with new lockdowns going into place, um, you know, I, I, I think this online streaming space that we found ourselves in, you know, kind of like this um, new way of approaching things is going to be kind of like the the I, I hate cliches, like the new normal. Uh, but I would say that this style of presentation is becoming more and more normalized in a way that it hasn't in years past. So, kind of like a response to that, um, a group of fans and fan artists had decided that, you know, it, it's it's one of my favorite stories where folks that feel like they're underrepresented, we're gonna do our own thing. So um, Icon Online is a not-for-profit, fan-organized event uh, celebrating Transformers. Um, It's an inclusive online convention focusing on fan-generated content. So that means we're looking for panelists, cosplayers, artists, um, and all kinds of cool folks that want to talk about and present their fandom for everybody's favorite robots in disguise. Uh, This Wednesday, which coincidentally will be when this podcast drops, so if you are listening to the podcast now and the live stream has already happened, uh, more information is available, including the date. uh, On the social media platforms, it's labeled as Winter of 2021, and uh, within the show organizers, there was some discussion about that. Basically, after the first of the year is winter of 2021 we're getting into so it it was one of those weird technicality things that we weren't quite sure how to thread the needle on didn't want it to seem like it's next year well it is next year it's 2021 der um but anyway it it will be uh it will be after the holidays uh but early next year in 2021 um and yeah, as I, as I said before, um, we're looking for like-minded fans that want to participate, and especially folks that feel like they've not had their voices heard by the larger conventions. Uh, when I went to TFCon Toronto last year, one of my favorite experiences was going through Artist Alley. And I liked the way that the Artist Alley was set up in that um, through either coincidence of geography or specific planning, I couldn't say. On one side of the aisle, you had the... I guess you would call them marquee artists—the folks, the folks that do illustrations for IDW comics, uh, the uh, recently uh, ended uh, Transformers trading card game, and basically the famous people or the the famous uh, creators. And then on the other side of the same hallway, you had the fan creators. So these were folks that were doing uh, zines and their own. Uh, Fan works, uh, selling fan fiction, uh, crafts, knickknacks, soaps, um, all kinds of really, really cool fan-created stuff. And taking that even further, I didn't go to the show, but my buddies from the Autopod Decepticast described this for me, where when they went to uh, TFCon DC in the fall of last year yeah uh, of 19 um basically the the fan creators were kind of segregated into kind of like their own panel room where on one hand i think i've talked about this uh, previously but on one hand you could skip it or when you go in you're f- you know uh, immersed in that fandom culture so it was it was kind of like a, a cool new experience for a bunch of Gen Xers that really hadn't seen a, a Transformers zine before, and you know we're kind of exposed to all kinds of uh, uh, shipping and uh, and other uh, fandom related stuff that maybe uh, fans like myself of a certain age aren't necessarily um, uh, accustomed to, uh, but it is it is still really cool. Connecting with fans that don't look like us, that have a completely different outlook, that have uh, completely different experiences, but the thing that unites us is our love of transforming robots. So that's why the uh, the tagline for Icon Online is, uh, you know, Icon Online, where all are one. And I I love that. And because the 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 main mission statement. Of Icon Online is inclusion. If you have submitted panels to other Transformers fan conventions and have been uh, rejected or worse, ignored, come find us. <laughs> we've we've already seen some folks uh, responding uh, positively on social media, um, and it's it's just going to be something that that's really really cool. I'm for myself, I'm loosely involved. What I mean is that you know I'm I I, I guess I would say like I'm a podcast promotion partner uh, to the show uh, but um, I've I've not been as involved recently as I would like. Um, I don't I don't know if anybody has been following the news but it's been, Kind of busy in the in the news and talk radio space, so um, yeah, I've I've been uh, um, un- unfortunately work has been kind of pulling me, uh, kind of taking my my time and availability and focus. So I'm kind of hoping now that maybe things are slowing down a bit, I can become a little more involved. Um, but regardless. Listen to upcoming episodes of Mike Seibert Radio for more details about Icon Online. And then next Sunday, which would be this one I am going to get the uh, calendar for, uh, that is going to be Sunday the 22nd. I haven't quite ratcheted down the time yet, so keep an eye on my social pages—you know, my my Twitter and my Facebook and my Instagrams—for uh, for what time. But it's uh, it's going to be myself and Robo Apollo and possibly some other folks that are uh, involved in this uh, this new fan convention venture as well. And we're just going to talk about what iacon online is kind of its origins where did it come from why are we doing it now um and hopefully being able to field some questions uh from fans out there as well um you know starting with like well why do yet another fan convention when we've got other online streaming fan conventions well you're going to want to listen to the episode to where we answer that. Um, but the shortest answer that I can give you right now is that this is the one that is focused on diversity and inclusion. And again, it's uh, it's Icon Online, where all are one. Uh, they have a presence on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. I got locked out on my Tumblr account, so I <laughs> have not checked them out there. Uh, but yeah, like on, on their Twitter page, there's a link tree that can connect you to um, all four of those social platforms. And again, uh, check it out on this coming Wednesday, which is going to be November 18th, the same date as this episode. So if you're listening right now, go to Icon Online and find out when the date is, and then more importantly, the submission process for panelists and artists, those are going to open this week as well. And I, I just really want to encourage everybody to follow and participate. And uh, like, like I said, I mean, the, the, the response has been pretty, uh, very positive already for something that... There's relatively little information about it. We've been kind of slow rolling uh, the news out, but it, uh, it, it's something that's going to be really fun, really special, and again, there's, there's some really cool folks involved. So it's, um, you know, I, I've heard the, the um, phrasing, for fans, by fans being tossed around a lot and this one is kind of like I guess by fans for fans of the fans because we're all fans, you know, we're, uh, we're all, uh, fan artists and content creators, and we just like talking about them transforming robots. And we just want to, um, you know, kind of have, have our own space to be able to do so. So again, uh, that's, uh, Iacon online where all are one. Uh, I will have, uh, links in the show notes, as I mentioned already. Missed last week's episode? Have trouble remembering that hot take you heard? Find it
0: all in the full archive on soundcloud.com by searching Mike Seibert Radio.
1: Um, I am going to skip shoutouts for now, and I am going to skip over to the show and tell segment where I um, made some... Trips to the store? No, that's somebody else's bit. But no, I've uh, um, I, I've noticed over the the last handful of live streams that coincidentally, I have something to share. So uh, I I liked doing show and tell when I was a kid, and I think. I still kind of like doing that anybody that follows me on socials sees me taking pictures of stuff around the house of the house so I got a couple things I'd like to show off Um, incidentally I won't be showing off the stuff that I showed off to the transmissions guys so like you know alternators Nemesis Prime uh, the the Quintesson Pit of Judgment and that uh, brilliant uh, Transformers painted art book, the bootleg uh, from Kickley. Um, I left all that stuff at home because you've seen it already. But go check out the transmissions trips to the store from two weeks ago, I think, and um, that that kind of gives a good platform for that stuff. So uh, the first thing that that I had uh, I had already talked about this, but uh, dropping last Friday was the latest album from acdc and i put out uh i put out a post saying that um quite frankly this is something i i never thought i would get again i'm gonna unpack this in episode 300 and kind of tell you the story about why i thought acdc was done and that there would be no further music. Like, uh, you know, Axl Rose was the singer of ACDC for like the last leg of their tour six years ago. Um, but um, I did want to talk about uh, the album Power Up in kind of, uh, kind of broad strokes. One, it's, it's pretty good. Um, I, I won't say that it is excellent, in terms of like you know, you have to drop what you're doing and go get it. If you are a fan of ACDC, it's it's definitely worth your time. If you're curious about ACDC and you've never really you know listened to them, it's a it's a pretty solid rock album. It's a it, it's really very good. Um, as I mentioned, I've been listening to it uh, throughout uh, throughout the weekend. And one of the uh, one of my favorite experiences with it is I was driving along and you do the thing like when your GPS goes off and you kind of like squint at it a little bit, maybe cock your head, kind of like, you know, try to listen more closely. Or maybe like when your favorite talk radio host is on something, you kind of, you know, kind of figuratively lean in. Um, I was kind of doing that while listening to this album. On CD by the way, because I have a CD player in in my car. So I mean I, I think I have a digital copy, but I don't know. But anyway, I I was listening to it, listening closely, kind of squinting, and then I there were there was a few times where I again I'm driving, I'd be like, oh, I like that. And then, so I'm in the car by myself, but I'm having this experience. I'm like, oh, I like that. And I got to, got to one song and I was like, you know, because again, these are brand new songs. I've never heard them before. And I'm like, oh, I like that. And it gets to, gets to like, like a chorus or one of the other parts. And I was like, oh, I really like that. And again, I'm, I'm saying this out loud to myself as I'm pointing and gesturing at my CD player. So, um, anyway, I, I've, I've really been enjoying listening to it. I'm going to keep listening to it, kind of on a loop for uh, the next couple weeks. So, since I do buy the CD, I got a little booklet in there. And uh, one of the things I want to point out, because the... Episode 300 is going to be an audio only thing. I don't think I'm going to do it as a live stream because I'm going to uh, incorporate uh, clips and audio and things like that. So this might be my only time to kind of show off the, the sleeve for uh, Power Up. But it does have a little booklet in there, you know, with uh, with pictures and, and things like that. But there was um, two things in the package that kind of got me. On the sleeve there... Um, it says this one is for Mao. Uh, that referring to Malcolm Young, the uh, one of the co-founders of the band, uh, who passed away in 2017. and that was one of many, many, many factors why I thought the band uh, was done. but I um I kinda kind of got a little choky when, when I saw that. I mean it it's it's silly, it's sentimental. But I, um, like I said, I, I, it, it really just kind of resonated with me. Um, I, 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 really appreciated that, uh, reference. Um, also, so on the liner notes, it says all songs written by Angus Young and Malcolm Young. So Malcolm's been dead for a number of years, but basically he contributed enough back material, um, before he got sick, while he was sick and uh, before he passed away and a lot of the contributions that he made ended up on this album and it shows. It's uh, it's it's the strongest album they've done in oh gosh I maybe since the uh, certainly of the 2000s. Um so so that that covers 20 years. The strongest album they've done in 20 years, Mike Seibert's Hot Take. I don't know if I want to go further than that uh because that that's kind of where I'm at now in terms of figuring out um my my top 10 list and it is it is becoming significantly harder than I thought but um but anyway uh uh power up from acdc uh great album check it out i will have more insights and more discussion about it during episode number 300 let's move on i uh i found myself at gamestop a couple weeks ago and i picked up this dude uh this is um gaming greats Star Wars Black Series Django Fett, A.K.A. Dad Bod Django, because <laughs> like I, I don't know if you could quite see it from here, but he's a uh, he's a uh, he's a little chunky. He's a uh, he's definitely got a dad bod, um, and and oh there we go, and and a little bit of a gut on him. And I haven't taken him out of the box yet, but I'm going to. Uh, this is a slightly different figure than the previous Star Wars Black Series Django Fett that came out. A number of years ago. Um, he's, he's got a different backpack. He's got uh, a better face sculpt and, uh, uh, some additional paint applications as well. So it's, so it's, it's different enough for me to do the, uh, to do the double dip. Um, and I just like Django. Um, uh, maybe I'll unpack this on a, on a different show, a different time, but at a time where the Mandalorian is the new hotness, and rightfully so, I I still have a soft spot for Jango Fett's um, aesthetic because you know it's it's all just it, it's clean silver with with blue accents, and he's got the dual pistols, and I've just I. I, I've always liked that, you know, just kind of like the, you know, with the Rocket Pack He's, you know, kind of like a kind of like an Adam Strange, Buck Rogers type of uh, type. I don't know. Spaceman cowboy type of thing uh, that I that I've always liked about it. Um, all right. So let me get to the last thing for show and tell so that um, so that Mario can go to bed. Now, this item is the item that I never thought I was going to buy, because when it came out, many folks asked me, and said, well, hey man, there's this, are you going to buy it? And even as time went on, and the ongoing discussion about uh, Transformers Studio Series 86, and those uh, that line of toys inspired by the Transformers the movie... Um, I talked a lot about the Quintesson Pit of Judgment, and one of the reasons why I bought it was the specific call out to Transformers the movie on there. So, all of that was no-brainers, but I had, there was one toy that I wasn't as enthusiastic about, but I have it now, and I have a story to go with it. So, let's take a look at this guy. It's a cardboard box. Oh i heard a lot of rattling in there so this is alternate universe optimus prime this is a amazon exclusive and if you look at the cardboard box you got some really sad looking uh people in the windscreen that being ultra magnus rc and hot rod it looks like optimus prime's um uh, chest basically and kind of like a quick tour around the box you can see the uh, uh, smokestacks on the side. The top looks kind of like his head. This is kind of like his front uh, chestular area, and behind him, that's that's definitely uh, his back. Yeah, Aaron, this is another win for packaging. Um, again, if if Hasbro is going to keep bringing the heat with uh, with packaging, that's kind of where where they get me. And then the undercarriage, of course, where you got. Um, uh, Optimus Gooch. So you got you got you got that going on. It's kind of like a weird choice to just kind of have the box be his torso, but notably before I, I crack it in the the one thing that is missing, and this is why I did not buy it when it came out. unlike the the Quintesson pit of judgment, I could have used a call out back here or perhaps over here. That says, inspired by the Transformers, the movie. If that had been on here... In fact, yeah, you just put it right here or right here. I will have bought this day one. So why did I buy this? Well, I, wait a second. Let me, let me open the damn thing up first. Because it's like, what's in here? I'll tell you what's in here. Oh, get oh man, he's already started to move around. Well, what's what's in the box is... Ah, oh, there we go. A dead robot. Look at that. So, so that is a very dead Optimus Prime. Okay, so there we go. So there is corpsified Optimus Prime. Now, uh, a couple things on the on this figure. One, it is the current Earthrise mold, and it's pretty sweet. I um, I, I really liked fiddling with them. You know, and like, you know, it's, it's a pretty good representation of, um, you know, it's kind of really kind of lightweight. It's kind of interesting, but, um, but yeah, I, I guess, I guess the way I looked at it is like, I, I, this was my excuse to get the Earthrise mold without spending $50 on Earthrise Optimus. And accidentally getting it in you know kind of like his uh uh, dead transformers the movie deco so i'm gonna try to shove his face up in the camera here so you can see the details and so as you can see like you know his uh antenna are kind of kind of messed up he's got you know some uh cracks and breaks on his on his uh face mask there there is a little bit of uh, scarring on his side there where he, um, he got wounded by Megatron in their in their final battle in this alternate universe I guess um, but anyway, yeah, so overall he's a, he's a really cool figure. I have not actually transformed him yet, but I have been you know just uh, just kind of fiddling with him and posing him. So uh, one thing that my dude Mario asked me about, he's like, well yeah, so he so got a dead robot but um, yeah, I mean man, does he, does he pass along the, the uh, matrix of leadership over to uh, Ultra Magnus? And this is pretty pretty neat. Again, I, I don't know how toy reviewers do it because I can't figure out where to put my hands so that I can actually like show off stuff that I'm doing it. But yeah, his uh his uh chesticles flip flip open, and there inside you can see the the uh, the the still healthy looking uh, matrix of leadership there. And it does come out. I was having a hard time getting it out earlier. Oh, I got it. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so uh, there's a spot for his uh, matrix chamber, and you have a little matrix for him. So pretty darn cool and, and really cool detailing. And, and again, he's, he's really fun to uh, pose and play with. He, he's got a lot of uh, posability. Um, no ab crunch, though. But but that's okay because he he bends at the at the hips. I'm not a toy reviewer. Um, maybe one of these days I might uh, aspire to be a toy reviewer and and you know kind of do some of this stuff more live or separate or something. But for today, all I'm gonna say is that um, uh, that I like him and that I'm glad I got him. Now I want to talk about why I didn't get him. Because he was fifty dollars, and fifty dollars for what is basically kind of a novelty—you um, know, the 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 whole dead Optimus Prime thing—even if it's from uh, Transformers: The Movie—seemed. Um Do the tires roll? Yes, yes. Sorry, Nick just jumped in the in the chat there, asking if his uh, tires roll, and yes, they they roll very freely, actually. They're plastic, but um, that's that's kind of par for the course with uh, with with contemporary Transformers, right? Um, my dude Jeremy uh, tells me that transforming this guy and playing with them um, is really fun. That it's a very tr- uh, satisfying uh, transform, and I haven't done it yet. But um, oh, anyway, sorry. I, I was talking about why I didn't buy them. Uh, price. Um, it, it just it, it just felt a little steep. Uh, 50 bucks for a dead Optimus Prime. But then um, I saw a Amazon flash sale and, and these things come up from time to time. And I, I think I saw it on social media first. Maybe it was a uh, tfu.info. Uh, maybe somebody else um, shared it and it was basically uh, 35. Per- well, I, I don't remember what the, the numbers were. It was either 35% off or it was thirty four ninety nine. Um, either way, it was less than forty dollars, and I was um, I, I was buying some stuff on Amazon anyway. So I just said, "I am like, hey, lucky, I bought a robot while uh, uh while while I was there. Uh, yes, thirty bucks. And then yeah, like uh, like Nick says in the chat here, you know, it's basically." I mean, again, that um, Hasbro is just killing it with the mainline because this is basically a mini masterpiece, and the Earthrise mold is pretty much, I would say, the, the definitive current Optimus Prime mold to where um, this thing is going to get repainted, redecoed, and reused forever. Um, you know, we we thought the market was flooded. With MP10s, uh, the the uh, second generation masterpiece Optimus Prime, um, and, and that's a fun mold too. I I'll I'll admit I didn't realize how fun it was until I got one of my own, and yeah, MP10 rules. But uh, but Earthrise Optimus is also pretty cool. So anyway, so I I grabbed this dude on a flash sale, and I'm like, okay, well, cool. I I will. I will throw this on my Transformers the Movie shelf, which currently just has the Quintesson Pit of Judgment, and then we'll have the um, we'll have the upcoming Studio Series 86 uh, figures once those come out. But um, then, like two days ago, I think sometime over the weekend, I saw folks. Posting. I don't know if if anybody has uh, anybody watching uh, listening has noticed this or not. So Ross Dress for Less has had an influx of Transformers coming in uh, over the last I don't know. I'd say month or so. It started with some Siege figures and some movie masterpiece figures, which I could care less about. But like they, um, you know, they had uh, Siege Starscream uh, Springer. And uh, AstroTrain. Leader Class AstroTrain for $17.99. I think all those are gone now. But now, other Earthrise stuff is starting to show up at Ross Dress for Less. Including Leader Class Earthrise AstroTrain. The same one that I just told you was going for $17.99. It's now going for $30. Um, Just kind of funny, uh, ironic. But now... Next to him, it's not this one, but Earthrise Optimus Prime, which basically is the same figure, the same pack, also for 30 bucks. So, it, it's kind of like a weird double irony, because I saw folks posting, they kind of kicking themselves for buying this full price, and then it came on this flash sale. But now, those same folks are also kind of double kicking themselves, because... Now they're showing up at Ross dress for less I haven't seen one in my Ross dress for less but um, your mileage may vary but I just I kind of wanted to talk about the irony of that a little bit now one thing I did want to talk about before I move on from um, uh, from this guy is he comes with a, a trailer and I don't mean to be a grump. But this trailer sucks. It's it's very small in proportion to the to the figure. Now I forgot I forgot it at home and I, I meant to bring it. I'll, I'll post a picture on social later, but basically I wanted to bring my original G1 Optimus Prime trailer uh, just to show how one how significantly Larger the trailer is than the figure, um, but also how much bigger it is than this thing. This um, plastic is expensive, I know, but yeah, it is. It is one of those things that that's mildly disappointing uh, for how chintzy uh, the trailer uh, kind of is. Um, yes, no, he he does not. Have enough junk in the trunk. Um, I know you heard that bass bumping in my truck. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of um, show and tell there. Shar um, uh, jumped in the chat. MP10 is my favorite masterpiece until the new Starscream comes out. Such a fun figure, and that that new masterpiece Starscream does look pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it's because um, I I know. I know I, I sent many mixed signals because, like, I, I remember at one point, uh, Char had reached out to me and said, "Hey man, if you want Dead Optimus, I had two of them." <laughs> and I'm just like, "No, no, I, I don't, I, I, I don't want to deal with it." And then, yeah, I, it was just it was total impulse buy, total impulse buy. I don't know if I would do it again, honestly, but uh, but see and and this is this is the collector's dilemma right because i don't regret buying him he is fun but um but yeah do i need a dead optimus i don't know i I, i'm talking around in circles at at, at this point I, I mentioned this earlier, but I, I also want to call attention to last week's episode of Mike Seibert Radio, episode 297, of uh, The Road Warrior and the Ronin character discussion, a.k.a. Journey of the Antihero Archetype from Feudal Japan to Post-Apocalyptic Australia, a.k.a. Why Does Caleb Like This Movie? So that episode featured my... Um, Uh, two good friends, Greg from Unfunny Nerd Tangent who also hails from Brisbane, Australia, and uh, Caleb from Autopod Decepticast who does not hail from Australia, but uh, we talked about the Road Warrior, we talked about the Mandalorian, and we kind of talked about the uh, Ronin character type, you know, kind of like the the lone, masterless warrior Um, and it was a it was a very insightful discussion, and I I like that combination of the three of us because it's it's different energy than Autopod Decepticast. It's different energy than what Greg does with uh, with unfunny nerd tangent. It's uh, it was well, quite frankly, uh, kind of kind of insightful and intellectual if uh, if you're into that kind of thing. But the one thing I will say, one one of the the highlights, is that you hear me talk a lot. It's not often that you hear me stop talking. So uh, early on in the episode, when Caleb kind of takes us to school and breaks down the history and impact of the Ronan character type you could hear a pin drop because i just i, I was so transfixed on what he was saying uh, caleb's like you know he's a you know he's he's a very scholarly dude um and is you know into, into history and literature and and is um again one of them smart folks I am not. <laughs> um in fact, I I would say what, one of the one of the jokes that we made during the episode was that um Caleb had made, made some kind of uh, remark. He he had said, well, in reference to Greg saying like, "Well, hey, it it's not like we're we're having you on just to have the Australian talk about the Australian movie." And uh, we weren't doing video, but I kind of looked at the floor kind of bashfully, kind of sheepishly, and because, really, that was kind of my thought about it. Um, Greg, who is um, notoriously from Australia, had not seen any of the Mad Max movies, which should be some kind of crime against his nation, his homeland. But, um, so for our little project, he watched Mad Max, against our our uh, suggestion both me and Caleb told him don't watch Mad Max just go right to the Road Warrior anyway so he he watches Mad Max and they watches the Road Warrior and then we talked about it and really for me it was kind of the novelty of somebody from Australia not having seen these seminal works of Aussie cinema and so yeah, I was I was kind of into the novelty of it, but uh, but my dude Caleb uh, really kind of um, kind of curved it around and made it a a more intellectual discussion. And it it is interesting because I I feel like what I bring to uh, those kinds of conversations is you know uh, enthusiasm, maybe passion and fun, but. Um, I don't know if there's always a whole lot of intellectual insight uh for for what I for what I bring to the table there but anyway check that out that is episode 297 again the road warrior and the ronin character discussion uh that was uh that was a whole lot of fun um I want to talk about what I'm watching uh because that that's that's one of the the things that uh, that I get asked a lot, and I, because TV is like in such a weird, um, weird state currently, it's um, I, I don't always talk a lot about uh, about quite frankly what I'm watching. So over the last couple weeks, couple months, um, as network TV has kind of been a thing that's not really a thing, we've been watching some streaming shows, but it's um it, it's some stuff that i don't know I, I'm, try- I'm trying to oversell it so we um we have cbs all access right so um and we recently discovered that our uh, cable provider one of the uh satellite dish networks um has removed uh our cbs affiliate from our channel lineup so it's a good thing that we have the CBS All Access. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to watch uh, the end of Big Brother, uh, which I'm not even going to bore any of you with the details because I know of the folks that are, that are watching could not care less about. I, I've learned that um, as, I, as I've talked about it more and more in, uh, in episodes past. But um, so Big Brother finished up. Uh, the amazing race just recently started so we have been watching that that's uh that's been a lot of fun as usual no survivor because um well quite frankly no other countries in the world want americans around which is uh just uh just fine i have not watched the queen's gambit yet that's uh you know um Twitter has like exploded with you know talking about the Queen's Gambit being the the bee's knees and the cat's pajamas and and I, I haven't um I haven't gotten around to um to watching it um but what we've seen in uh, just this last week um more than the other networks I think CBS is kind of the first to kind of get some of their scripted dramas back on course so um, uh, two shows I wanted to talk about very briefly uh, one being the um, SWAT um, so that's uh, that's Shamar Moore leads a, a SWAT team in Los Angeles and that was a show I didn't think was going to return because I don't know if you remember a few months ago prior to the summer there was a feeling in the air that our taste for good guy cop shows or where, uh, the police are presented as the protagonists. Maybe that was, maybe that was something that we weren't into as much like, uh, like cops, uh, was canceled as was, um, Oh, I, I forget—like Live PD or some some such like that. There was definitely an anti-police sentiment, and I wondered um, because I know that I'd say half of CBS's slate is police procedurals <laughs> um, uh, or you know other types of law enforcement. I'm just like, what's going to happen with those shows? So um, SWAT is back. Uh, the various flavors of NCIS's are back, and the the reason why I wanted to bring it up and talk about it now is um, they've they've kind of tried to incorporate contemporary times as best as they could. So, like, uh, we watch SWAT, and I get the feeling that this was probably retooled from an existing episode because it has bookend segments with Shamar Moore's character who is African American he um, he's in the middle of a BLM protest and there's murals uh, depicting George Floyd Breonna Taylor and but it's also shown as during the pandemic because the the characters are uh, presented wearing masks so, it's, it's kind of like a framing device for this other episode, or other A story, that has to do with um, flashing back to the L.A. riots, and even flashing back even further to the Watts riots. It was, it was a really good, really strong episode, actually, and I think it, cont- it contextualizes a... I don't want to say post-COVID because we're not post-COVID, but kind of like a, a post-BLM, post-COVID, uh, where do the police fit in? I, I think it threads the needle pretty well. and But I will be interested to see how further episodes go um, as terms of an ongoing narrative, or if it's just in typical CBS fashion where, like, the following episode... Yeah, well, we 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 did our uh social conscious hour. Um now let's uh let's move on to uh action packed uh police action. Um so we'll see. Uh the uh, the other episode that I wanted to talk about was uh the first episode of NCIS New Orleans. Now this episode appears to be made from whole cloth post resuming of production. So I I, I would imagine that a lot of these shows were in various stages of production when the pandemic hit. And I think once production was allowed to resume, I think there's been some reshuffling of the deck. Maybe episodes being moved around, uh, episodes being reworked, being retooled. This particular one appears to be kind of, kind of from, from whole cloth. But the thing that cracks me up is it's shown to be taking place during March, March of 2020. And there's uh, instances of characters wearing masks. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. But the thing that, that kind of cracked me up was the actual depiction of how coronavirus was being handled, in that they almost kind of presented it like a zombie plague. Like um, you know, at one point, a driver loses control of his vehicle and crashes into a fire hydrant, and there's water everywhere, and uh, the driver staggering out, coughing cartoonishly. <laughs> um, in a in a different scene. Um, the the uh, agents are on this ship, and basically, what is happening is that there's there's uh, uh, COVID cases on there, but they're basically locking th- locking them up below decks and it's very similar to like in a zombie movie where like you know you put like the zombies behind a locked door they open up the door there's like a half dozen folks uh, uh sitting on a bed like again coughing cartoonishly and it was it was just really weird um and i shared that insight with lucky and she um more or less said she wasn't that wasn't her read on it and she didn't quite know where i got that read myself but yeah, I just um so so I posted that on Twitter and uh somebody wrote me back and said, "Well, well keep in mind that one it's New Orleans, an area that was hit pretty hard." Um but it they reminded me that it kind of since it's in March, it depicted a time of uncertainty that I think some of us have forgotten about that I think I've kind of forgotten about that you know masks yes or no you know kind of like that uncertainty and you know what what to do with ships at sea um and and I think I think those were valid points um but I haven't I have not necessarily moved from my perspective that I think the portrayal of the actual symptoms was was a little cartoonish um, uh, without well now I, I can't say it without spoiling it but basically like the the transmission rate and the fatality rate I, I think was also kind of um, exaggerated and again it just it, to me it, it felt like coronavirus was being treated like a zombie plague which um, again it'll be interesting to see how other shows incorporate it and how more or less I would imagine that show producers are thinking like when is this thing going to end at what point can we go back to our bank of episodes that were already done where characters aren't showing <laughs> wearing masks uh, do they have to retool or how, how extensively do they need to retool their their episodes um on on the flip side uh watching some new game shows also. <laughs> we uh uh we were we were watching uh Supermarket Sweep with uh with Leslie Jones. That's uh that's a lot of fun. I, I you know, Supermarket Sweep was one of those dumb game shows that I that I loved when I was a kid. I would watch it with my grandmother and it was uh it was just fun. So um you know, so you've got you got Leslie Jones being Leslie Jones in it, but um, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's a it's a lot of fun, and uh, we also watched um, uh, the Weakest Link, uh, the the revival of that show with uh, with Jane Lynch as the host. And I tell you, if you're going to reboot that show, and I think this is kind of where I don't necessarily care for the Jimmy Kimmel led uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire reboot um is that um Jane Lynch kind of really uh captures that acidity and caustic nature of that adorable British lady that would be like you are the weakest link goodbye <laughs> and but yeah so to you know get get savage e- Emmy award winner Jane Lynch in there I think is uh, is pretty fun so I I would I would recommend uh you check that out as well um uh, let's see. So um, over on the streaming, we've also started uh, watching the new season of Star Trek Discovery. We're a couple episodes behind on that, so I don't want to talk about it too terribly much, but this, uh, this new season has been pretty good. I like that we're seeing a time period in the Star Trek timeline that we have never seen before. Uh, Discovery was a show that started off as a prequel, you know, kind of taking place 10 years before Kirk and Spock, and through a, spoilers, spoilers, uh, twist at the end of Season 2, the the ship jumps 900 years in the future, and now they are in, like, the year 3,000, 3,100, or some such like that, and basically it's, um, you know, it's kind of them trying to find their way in a strange new timeline um, so that's and, and, and there's been some um, uh, plot developments as well and, it, and it's interesting that I, I feel like between Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard those feel like those are Star Trek shows of the Trump era And what I mean by that is that it has an occasionally bleak worldview, but with an undertone of the hopefulness that Star Trek is known for. So, like, more or less, like, things are bad, but they're still good in people. You know, it's it's very much kind of like a weird... Uh, examination of kind of where America has been for uh, for for the last four years, and uh, I don't know uh, something else that confounds me is I've I, I've discovered that there are ultra conservative Star Trek fans, which I don't I don't understand that. Um, And I don't know if I can unpack that here and now, but like more or less, like I, I was kind of off put from Star Trek Discovery initially. One, they, they put like the, uh, the first two episodes up. I did not like them. So I was like, I'm not buying CBS all access. I don't want no part of this. These, these Klingon creatures are, are too over designed. I, I don't like the characters. Uh, this isn't for me. And then I kind of got caught in that echo chamber of uh, folks that I know and the circles that they run in, you know, kind of more or less talking about Star Trek with this, you know, uh, SJW agenda and, you know, that that it wasn't well written, wasn't well acted. And I, I kind of bought into that influence. So I kind of stayed away for a long time and... Uh, I think what got me into it is we had watched Star Trek Picard over the summer, liked it fine, and it's like, well, we've got the the CBS All Access, so let's go back and watch this Star Trek Discovery and see uh, see what it's all about. And I like it a lot. Um, I I don't I don't understand what the folks that have a problem with it have with it. Does it doesn't uh, doesn't check out? Um, Other than folks, um, there, there are certain fans in certain fandoms that if I were to guess, I don't think they necessarily care for, uh, strong female characters in position of power and authority. Um, one guy's guess. (laughs) Whoa, those were some seriously
0: hot takes. How do you feel about it? Let Mike know on Facebook, Twitter,
1: and Instagram at Mike Cyber Radio. Um, yeah, no, I just i i i dig it quite a bit, and I, I'm really excited for uh, for where that story goes. Um, I'm gonna save talking about. Uh, a couple other shows that we've we were watching um because they're they're kind of tied together and I'm I'm running short on time. But uh we watched season one of the boys on Amazon and then we watched another show called Yellowstone, which was initially on uh, the Paramount Network. I didn't realize Paramount had a network or that was even a thing. Uh but those are uh, those are larger topics uh, for a different day because I have um, I have thoughts about both and it has caused a bit of a rift in the uh, in the cyber compound um, and but yeah I'll talk about that in a in a future episode um, more or less the hint I will leave you with is that um, it's it's frustrating and difficult. When somebody is encouraging you to watch a show, and the only rationale they give you is that it's so good, you know, usually with like seven O's or something like that, but um, but I, I will talk about that uh, uh, sometime later. Um, so I, I was doing some eBaying over the weekend, and I don't know if. Uh, folks are aware of it, but uh, Transformers the movie story consultant Flint Dilly has recently been going through his uh, office man cave thing and has been selling off uh, some of his um, uh, possessions and, and things that he's come across. Still has yet to come across his script treatment called The Secret of Cybertron, uh, but he's uh, still looking for it. But what he did find is his copy of the Japanese Laserdisc release of Transformers the movie and had that up for auction. Uh, The auction just closed uh, just before I started recording. Went for $300. Um, I may have bid on that during the weekend. And then once it started going that high... um, I, I I can't be spending three hundred dollars on a laserdisc, but um, but this thing is super cool though. Um, so anyway, so this is a laserdisc. I don't have a laserdisc player, but uh, but apparently this is a a rare Japanese copy of Transformers the movie. There's uh, that um, that uh, Japanese artwork. Uh, which is on the, the 30th anniversary Blu-ray from Shout Factory. You have to like flip the flip the label over, and it's there. But um, I, I just I love the packaging on this. The, this is this is just super rad. Um, you know, it, it's it's a cool size. It's a cool scale. It's um, it, it's a really cool style of packaging, and I would like to have had it. But and and not not just because it's that copy. Um, it's that it's Flint Dilly's copy. that's that's I don't know that that that's kind of neat, but I can't be throwing three bills out on that <laughs> so uh, but anyway, I wanted to share that with you before uh, before I get out of here, and I think I have one more tab that I still have open. So this was just announced earlier today uh, from the Transformers official social channels on uh, Instagram and Facebook but not Twitter because apparently John Hasbro doesn't think that there needs to be a Transformers official presence. There's one for G.I. Joe. There's one for Power Rangers. There might be one for My Little Pony. I don't know but I'm getting, um, getting too far afield. Uh, guess what's next? So it's uh, Uncanny X-Men and Transformers uh, Collaborative for some time next year. Um, what could it be? Well, it looks like... Uh, I, I think it's kind of spoiled here in the post because it says Uncanny the Uncanny X-Men and it has a picture of the SR-71 Blackbird that the X-Men uh, often run around in. So... I think it's gonna be uh, the Blackbird. Now, I've uh, I've seen several folks posting about this, including my dude Nick, um, indicating that it's probably going to be a retool of Jetfire from the Bayverse from Revenge of the Fallen, and I really kind of hope they don't do that because um, I I'm not into the Bayverse aesthetic now that would be something that's accurate though because it is an sr-71 blackbird um so um i on the other hand the robot mode for maverick the top gun collaborative is one guy talking kind of lame uh, the the details on it are pretty cool. He's got the helmet. He's got the motorcycle. He's got a volleyball. But the actual robot mode is is kind of kind of half baked. So whereas on the other hand, uh, Gigawatt, the the Back to the Future collaborative looks pretty cool. In fact, I didn't even mention this earlier. When uh when it, when I found myself at GameStop and I got myself Dad Bod Django. I uh I I was there looking for gigawatts because I had heard I think from Alpha Magnus that like they they were showing up in hand in store, um at GameStop uh they're they're long gone now. Um I don't know if I'm gonna keep my pre-order on the Pulse or not. I've um, I've canceled a handful of pre-orders but I've kept that one. It's supposed to ship in January so I, I guess I have until January to uh uh to see if i can get that that uh back to the future uh gigawatt uh type of thing but um i think i am about out of time and i think i need to uh kind of close it out um i do want to thank everybody that was hanging out here uh with me in the chat uh char and aaron and nick and Melody jumping in, um, says, hi, Mike, you're one smart dude. And I think that's, that's very sweet and very nice and very incorrect. No, actually, let me, uh, let me close out on this. Uh, because like, I, I think some time ago I had said something like on, like doing these live streams, I want to leave you with some kind of like advice, you know, aside from, you know, making choices, but I, um, the the thing that i've learned in deep adulthood as i have is how to take compliments i think i've talked about this on the on the show before it's uh, it, it's something i've kind of struggled with i got a phone call from my boss today and um it doesn't matter what I did, but basically, like we, we we did some radio magic over the weekend. There there were a couple different plates spinning, and basically we made uh, some smooth transitions smooth in in a way that in less capable hands they wouldn't have been as smooth. I don't think it would have been the end of the world, but uh, but no, he he took the time to call me and thank me. And the first thought that raced through my head was um you know kind of being dismissive in a in a Gen X kind of way. Like a um well, heh, shrug, uh that it's my job. Or something that would be like, hey man, all I did was keep the time and and uh and move the sliders up and down. Um and i think 5 10 years ago i would have said that i have learned in my um older age and maybe um i i, I don't know if i want to say uh, confidence or um but i but i've realized that it's part of being polite when somebody gives you a compliment is that it's it's almost disingenuous and rude if somebody is giving you a compliment to just kind of blow it off even if from your perspective you're being just kind of like ah oh, it's you know it's my job you know it's like that's how you're representing yourself but not giving consideration to the person on the other side so learning that I was, I was gracious. I was like, thank you for saying it's my pleasure. It's a, it's, it's, it's a great team effort. You know, teamwork makes the dream work and, and all of that. And I, and I felt that and I believe that I wasn't being insincere or, or disingenuous, but, um, that would be my advice is that at, at a time where folks are, um, overworked and there are so many stressors around us, you know, between uh, the lockdowns, threat of COVID, uh, and just regular regular existential dread. Um, yeah, just uh, uh, when, when somebody is being complimentary, don't forget to be gracious. And that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and for watching and hanging out uh, with us here on the live stream. And you want to listen to my podcast, Mike Seibert Radio, and all of my past shows, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. And you can check out the full show archive out on SoundCloud five years worth of shows um, back on there. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. Mike Seibert Radio is powered by Poddex for Mike Seibert Radio. My name is Mike, and until next time, wear a mask, wash your hands, and make good choices. Good night. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio
0: Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio email us at mikesybertradio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out MyDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio production. i bass bumping in my trunk. Bumping in my trunk. Bumping in my truck. I know you heard that bass bumping in my trunk. Bumping in my trunk. Bumping in my truck.